We're looking at the Psalms together because what we've discovered is that the Psalms cover many of the different seasons in our lives. You know what I mean when I say seasons. There are times when we are up on the mountaintop and things are going great and we are closer to God than ever before and the Psalms help us sing our praise and our gratitude. And there are times when we are at life's rock bottom and we have been so terribly uh, hurt. We're in, we're in emotional pain and the Psalms help us speak from our very souls to the one who can guide us through those times. There are times when we are afraid because there are enemies out to attack us and they are forming against us. And the Psalms help us know how to find confidence in the one who will fight our battles. And as we go through the book, through the Psalms, there are Psalms for every season of life. This morning, I want us to look at the shepherd's psalm. Many of those seasons of life are all wrapped up in one psalm. We're going to be looking at the 23rd psalm together in just a moment. A couple of years ago, Rolling Stone magazine updated their list of the top 500 songs of all time. And in that list of 500 best songs of all time... There were many that, you, that would not be surprising. The Beatles showed up there. Aretha Franklin is in there. James Brown is in there. The Rolling Stone. People that you would expect. But I thought it was interesting that in that song, in that list of the top 500 songs, one of the songs that was not included is the song that has been sung more times than any other song in recorded history. What song is sung more than any other song? Any idea? Happy birthday to you. Right. Also on that list, there is not the song that is quoted and read more than any other song. And you can tell what that is, this 23rd Psalm. It is a song. All the psalms are songs. The 23rd song is not a psalm. It's not one that we usually sing. But it is a song. And it is the most quoted, most often read song. And I bring that up to say this. There is a danger when we study, when we talk about, when we, when we think together about familiar passages the danger is I know that verse and so we tune out I've heard that psalm before and we tune, tune out and it very well might be that the Holy Spirit has something for us this morning and so I want to encourage you to avoid that dangerous tendency to turn off the familiar. I want us to listen again as we walk through that 23rd Psalm together. It was already read for us in the video just a moment ago. And so what I'd like for us to do is just look at it carefully. We're going to go verse by verse. If you have your copy of Scripture with you, I invite your attention to Psalm 23 
at verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Last week, I shared with you a discipleship tip. Uh, That discipleship tip was a reminder of a reading plan for Scripture. Start in John then read the other Gospels, then the Old Testament, then the New Testament, then Revelation, or New Testament, Old Testament, Revelation. I have another discipleship tip for you this, this morning. When you're reading a verse, when you're reading a text, sometimes it can be very helpful if we really want to dig into it, if it's just a devotional reading we can read through, but if we really want to dig a little bit, we, 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 we want to get all that we can out of a particular verse When you want to do that, emphasize every word and see how it it changes or fulfills the, the meaning of the verse. Let me show you what I mean. The Lord is my shepherd. In many of your copies of Scripture, many of your editions, you'll notice that the the letters are all capitalized in the word Lord. When you see that in the Bible, that means that what actually is written in Hebrew is the name of God, Yahweh. But out of respect and honor for the holy name, they would often replace that name with the word Adonai, which is Lord. And so the the common practice became instead of speaking the holy name, we refer to him as the Lord. That then, that Uh, practice was assumed when uh, translations began and when we come across the holy name Yahweh we often see it translated as the Lord but in order to make sure we know what it means it's always capitalized all four letters are capped this is Yahweh who is Yahweh You remember Moses is keeping the sheep and he looks over and there's a a bush that's on fire but it's not being consumed and he that captures his attention. He goes over to the bush and and God speaks to him. God says, go and set my people free from Egypt. And Moses has a number of, of reasons why he can't do that, one of which is, I don't even know you, God. They're gonna ask me who sent me. What am I supposed to say? And God says, tell them I am sent you he revealed to us his name I am that's Yahweh Yahweh means I am it is it is always a present tense verb to be in other words when you say the Lord Yahweh is my shepherd that means that yesterday I am is my shepherd Today, I am. Tomorrow, I am. That tells me that no matter where I go, my shepherd is. No matter when or where I travel, I am is my shepherd. Look at that. The Lord is. If we emphasize that next word just a little bit, the Lord is my shepherd. What great What great confidence there is in that little word because he doesn't say, I hope the Lord is my shepherd. One day the Lord will be my shepherd. I'm trying to earn my way into the flock so he could be, he says the Lord is. There's great confidence 
in that statement of faith. Yahweh is my shepherd. And then hear that next word. Yahweh is my shepherd. You see, in other places in the Old Testament, Yahweh is described as the shepherd of Israel, the shepherd of his people. And I think, I think oftentimes that's how we understand God. There is God who watches over his people. There is Yahweh who is the shepherd of the flock. And all of that is true. But do you, can you say with David, he's not just the shepherd of everybody. He's mine. There's something personal there. It's not just that I go to church and so I'm part of the flock and I fit in with a group. No, he is watching me and caring about me. Yahweh is my shepherd. Realize the power of that statement. Yahweh is the great God I am. He is the one who created all that exists. God is the holy one. God is the only God. And yet he, above and beyond all things, chooses to condescend to become a lowly shepherd to take care of me. No wonder David sang in another place, what is man that thou art mindful of him? My God, you're a great God. How marvelous is our God. And yet, you pay attention to me? So you see, when he says, the Lord is my shepherd, there's a whole lot wrapped up in those first few words. Yahweh is, not might be, is my shepherd. Not just my grandma's shepherd, not my mama's shepherd. He's not mine because I'm in the family or because I'm in the flock or the church. He's mine because I follow him. I choose to be his sheep. He is my and he is my shepherd creator of all that is has taken on that lowliest of positions for me he's my shepherd Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 11 he will tend his flock like a shepherd he will gather the lambs in his arms he will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are with young he is our Shepherd, I, 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 want you to, I want you to hear in that verse, the Lord is my shepherd, the last part, I shall not want. It speaks of two things really, I shall not want. It speaks of his provision and my decision. It, it, it speaks of his pres, provision. The Lord is my shepherd, so I, I'm not going to be in want. Because he's my shepherd, I know he's going to take care of me. I know he's bigger than all my monsters. I know he's going to provide all that I need. The Lord is my shepherd, so I'm not going to be in want. Oh, I may not have all the stuff that my neighbor has, but I'm going to have everything that I need. The Lord is my shepherd, so I know I'm going to be cared for. That's his provision, but there's also a decision in that statement to say, because the Lord is my shepherd, I have in him everything I need. Therefore, I choose not to be in want. It's my perspective. The Apostle Paul says, I have learned, whether in good times or in bad times, I have learned to be content. 
And friends, that's, that's where a lot of us get off track. We haven't learned that yet. We're still waiting on something better. All we can see is the bad. There's a provision in this statement. The Lord is my shepherd, so I'm not going to want. He's going to provide. There's also a decision. The Lord is my shepherd, and so I choose that he's all I need. And I decide that I'm not going to live in want of something else. I'm going to learn to be content because he's what I need. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Look at that next verse. Verse 2 says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. Green pastures are the, the places where I can be best fed, where I can have all my needs met. He, lead, he, he, he makes me to, to, to lie down in the green pastures. You know, there's, there's really only a few reasons why sheep might not lie down in a green pasture. Sheep are not going to lie down when they got bugs flying all over them. They're going to be moving all the time to get those bugs off. And that's why they anointed the sheep from time to time. It helped with the bugs. It kept them healthy. Another reason that sheep might not lie down is if they're uneasy. The, the, flock is, is, the flock can tell something's wrong. Maybe there's a, a, a critter out there roaming around. Or maybe the flock has is, is been at each other and, and there's, there's, there's conflict or something going on. In the, when, when they're uneasy, they won't lie down. Another time they won't lie down is when they're hungry. You know, it's hard to, to eat when you're laying down. Especially when you're a sheep. My dog's got that figured out somehow, by the way. My dog is so lazy. She'll go lay down in front of her bowl and just stick that tongue over and eat out the bowl laying down. Sheep won't do that. Sheep are moving around, they're finding the grass, they're eating. But listen, it says, he makes me to lie down. What that means is he has taken care of my health. I don't have bugs flying everywhere. He makes me at ease. There is a peace that passes understanding when I'm walking with the shepherd. And he has fulfilled my needs. I no longer hunger. I'm satisfied, and he makes me lie down in those green pastures. It says then, uh, and Ezekiel, do we have Ezekiel? We do, Ezekiel 34. I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep, and I myself will make them lie down, declares the Lord God. He makes us lie down in the green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters, continuing to provide for me. And it is at the still waters, that, that image of calm, serenity, and peace. The, the sheep don't want to try to drink out of a, a, a waterfall. They don't want to try to drink out of water that's going really fast by. It's scary. It's noisy. It splashes them. But here it says, he, he leads me beside the still waters. Verse 3, he restores my soul. He restores my 
So that word for restore is the word that means return. It is the base word for repentance. The good shepherd restores my soul. One of the things that the shepherd does is, is when, it, when one of those critters gets off track, and you, you know what happens, the, the, the sheep are looking down because that's where the food is, Right? They're looking down and, and they eat up all this grass and then, oh, there's some grass over there. And they eat all that up. Oh, there's some grass over there. And so it's very easy to kind of wander off. Well, when they wander off too far, the shepherd gets that staff. Sometimes they really did have that crook on the end. Oftentimes they were just straight. But he would use that staff and he would reach around and gently bring that sheep back in line. He would return him, restore him to the flock. I wonder if this morning there might be somebody in the room today who said, you know what, I, I have lived up to, to that verse in Isaiah that says, all we like sheep have gone astray each to his own way. And I've been wandering off. But today I sure hope the shepherd would bring me back. I'll bet you somebody in the room today can relate to that. You've been following your own plan. You've been doing things your own way. You've been looking down, not intentionally, not out of rebellion. You just let life pull you away. And you'd be willing to say today, I pray that the good shepherd would restore my soul, would bring me back. Isaiah 53 and 6 helps us verbalize that we, all we like sheep have gone astray, have turned everyone to his own way. The Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. In other words, Jesus has already paid for that sin which made you go the wrong way. It's already covered. All we need now is to have the good shepherd restore us, bring us back. Not only does he restore my soul in verse 3, but then he leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Now, once he gets me back from my wandering, he then shows me the right path and he helps me stay on there. Man, wouldn't that, isn't that great? You know, I could understand if he wanted to say, you idiot sheep. I'm giving you food, I'm helping you lie down in the green pastures, I'm walking you by the water, and you idiot, you wandered off. So you just keep wandering on off. Too bad, so sad, that's on you. I could understand that. If the master of all the universe, the creator of all that exists, wanted to treat me that way, it would be well within his right. But instead... He restores my soul and he keeps leading me in the paths of righteousness. He shows me how to stay where I'm supposed to stay so I don't keep wandering off. Now that's grace. That is the good shepherd at work. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. So people look around and they say, hey, John was wandering over there. Now look at him. He's back over there. Something happened. What happened? The good shepherd happened. It's for his name's sake 
Now people can see him at work and bring him glory. Verse 4, he says, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Friends, look very carefully at that verse. Because it doesn't say if I ever have to walk through the valley. It says even though I walk. In other words, we will all walk through the dark valleys. And here, this is the deepest and the darkest of all. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death itself. You see, there's, it's almost like three levels. I'm in a valley, but it ain't just any valley. It's a valley of the shadow. And it's not just any shadow. It's the shadow of death itself. When I walk through those times, I'll fear no evil because you're with me. Friends, understand that when we follow the shepherd, we can walk through the valleys. You're going to be in the valley. The question is, are you going to sit down and stay there? Is the depression and the heartache and the pain of the, of the dark valley is that going to overtake you so that you just give up on life and you become bitter and mean and you just sit there and grump? Or will you, like David, say, the Lord, Yahweh himself is my shepherd. And because he's my shepherd, I'm going to keep walking. I have to go through the valley, but I'm going to walk. I'm not going to stop. I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to sit and grump. I'm going to walk. I can't run right now. I can't fly right now, but I'm going to keep walking. And I'm going to walk until I get through. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Because see, I know that I can get through. I know one of these days that shadow is going to lift. And one of these days, that light is going to become just a little bit brighter. And one of these days, I'm going to notice that the shadow is behind me. And one of these days, I'm going to realize the shepherd got me through. But only if I keep walking and following him. The Lord is my shepherd. Because he's my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in the green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. When I get goofy, he restores my soul and he leads me on paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And even though I have to walk through the darkest valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. Now look at that. What makes you scared? Somebody said the darkness. Somebody said the monsters. What makes you scared? Somebody said that phone call from the doctor. What makes you scared when the kids go the wrong way? What makes you scared when the boss says we can't afford you anymore? What makes you scared? The shepherd's sheep can say, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, it's going to be bad. That's what valleys are. But I will fear no danger. I will fear no evil. I can walk with my head held high and I can get through this thing without fear. Why? Because thou art with 
me. Notice that he changes person. So far, the shepherd has been a third person. The Lord is my shepherd. He, he, and now all of a sudden, he speaks directly to the Lord. You are with me. That's why I don't have to be afraid. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. That staff we talked about earlier, he, he could, it's, it's long, and so he could, he could tap a, a sheep on the shoulder and bring that sheep in. If he had to, he could use that crook on the end of it. If there's danger or he's in briars away, he could pull, you know, but, but it's long and he can direct them that way. The rod is, is a different tool that was used by the ancient shepherds. The rod was shorter, wouldn't have had a crook or anything. It's not used for walking. It, it's... Think of it like a little club. It could be used to fight off wild animals if necessary. But it was also used at night. As the sheep would come into the sheepfold, the shepherd would count them. and He'd touch them with that rod as they'd come in, counting them to make sure they were all where they needed to be. And the sheep got used to that rod. The staff would bring me in when I got off track, and the rod would make sure that I knew I was counted at night. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. I know you're with me because I feel you working. I can see you doing things in my life. Verse 5, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And he changes the imagery. He changes the metaphor, if you will. Now, instead of a sheep following a shepherd, now we are guests in the house of a host. Hospitality in that day and that time was highly valued. One of the greatest values, by the way, was hospitality. And he says, you, when I'm a sheep, you treat me so good like the perfect shepherd. And when I'm a guest, you treat me so good like the perfect host. You prepare a table before me. Even though I'm in, in front of my enemies, you still take care of me. You, you prepare this great table. You anoint my head with oil. When someone would come over to your house and you were the host, you were expected to do three things. First, you would greet them with a kiss. Usually, that meant you'd kiss on the left side, the cheek, and then you'd kiss on the right cheek, and then you go back to the left cheek again. Kind of this triple kiss thing. It was a greeting. The second thing you would be expected to do is to wash their feet because they traveled to get there. They walked. Their feet are dirty. You're about to lie down to eat together, and so you would wash their feet when they came for a formal meal, a formal gathering. And then the third thing you would do is you would anoint their head with perfumed olive oil. And the reason for that, quite frankly, is when you live in a desert and you walk from place to place, thou stinketh. <laughs> and so this would be very refreshing for everyone in the room. And so here he says, you are being the perfect host you anoint my head with oil. And then look, he says, my cup overflows. Remember, we've just completed that 
difficult journey through the dark, deep valley. This has been a hard journey. And then finally, once we get through the other side, we are welcomed into his presence. He anoints our head with oil. He says, my cup overflows. Reminds me of the song that we used to sing, just as I am, thou wilt receive, wilt welcome, pardon, cleanse, relieve, because thy promise I believe. O Lamb of God, I come. He says, you anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. As we think about that cup overflowing, we need to turn very quickly to to the theological literature of Winnie the Pooh. You remember Winnie the Pooh had two friends, Tigger and Eeyore. And when we talk about this experience, I'm in the presence of God. God, you have welcomed me. You're anointing my head and my cup runneth over. There is that decision again for us. Will you and I see God's work in our lives and recognize his goodness and be grateful for it? My cup runneth over. Will we be like Tigger? <laughs> you remember Tigger? He'd bounce around. He was happy. He was joyful. No matter what was happening, <laughs> he was excited. Or will we be like Eeyore? Some people live like Eeyore. There's always something wrong. Tigger looks at that cup and the cup is full and the tablecloth is, is stained with wine and he says, my cup runneth over. Eeyore looks at that cup that's full and the tablecloth is stained with wine and he says, my cup leaketh. It's all in perspective. Friends, God has been so good to some of us and we have taken that for granted and we act so ugly. And we, we go through life like an Eeyore. There's always something to complain about. There's always something wrong. Might we learn to say and to sing with David, God, I don't deserve it, but you prepared a table before me. You anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The shepherd, the sheep is able to say, I've got two bodyguards through life. Goodness and mercy, they follow me. God's goodness and his mercy take care of me. Notice he says, surely goodness and mercy will follow me. How does he know that? Surely goodness, not hope for. Surely. How does he know? Because goodness and mercy were there yesterday. They were there last year when he went through the valley. They were there five years ago when he went through the valley. His past informs his present. And friends, if you and I were honest, we'd be able to look back and say, I know God is good because he has been good. 
There are new mercies every day if I'll just look for them. Lamentations is the saddest book of the Bible. The entire book of Lamentations means lament. It means sorrow. They are funeral dirges. And yet right smack dab in the middle of the darkest, saddest book of the Bible, right, literally right smack dab in the middle of all that, is this amazing statement. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Surely goodness and mercy. Because they've been here in the past, I know they're here today and will be with me tomorrow. Surely goodness and mercy. That word translated mercy in 23 is the very same word that's translated up there as steadfast love. Chesed. Chesed is an ongoing, steadfast, sure love that you can depend on no matter what. That is the mercy that God shows every time. I want to conclude with a, with a quick story. If you've been around FBC West for long, you've probably heard this one before. But it's one of my favorites, and it's worthy of repetition. It's the story of the actor who, show, who, who was invited to a civic club meeting one time, like Kiwanis or Rotary, something like that. The actor was known for his voice, his, his oratory expertise. And because he could speak so well at this meeting, they asked him to read various passages quote different texts so they could hear him do his thing and he loved that opportunity someone in the back of the room this old man stood up and asked him to would you re, would you re, recite the, the 23rd psalm and the actor looked at the old man and he said I'll do it under one condition after I do the 23rd psalm I want you to come up and do the 23rd psalm and the old man agreed so the actor went through the 23rd Psalm, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down and he went all the way through and it was so beautiful, the place erupted in applause, a standing ovation for this awesome orator who read this beautiful Psalm. And then it was the old man's turn and the old man got up and <clears throat> he had to clear his throat and had a hard time catching his breath and he began, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want he went through the thing and when he was done the place was silent tears rolling down people's cheeks someone asked the actor what made the difference in your recitation and his and without hesitation the actor said because I know the psalm but he knows the shepherd beloved listen I'm not asking if you go to church. I'm not asking if you've studied about who is the shepherd. I'm asking you this morning, do you know the shepherd? Can you claim verse 1? If you can't claim verse 1, none of the other psalm is yours to sing. Can you claim verse 1? Yahweh is my shepherd.